I'm ready. You want to welcome them this time? Uh, should we do the Drag Race theme song for this week? Ding. I forget how it goes. <laughs> how does it go again? What was ding, that? Ding, ding, ding. No. <laughs> was that Eye of the Tiger? It's kind of, Drag Race kind of, Cover Girl! Two servants of fruit. I'm Liam. <laughs> I'm Chase. Um, today we're talking about drag. Yeah, yeah. Woo! And we have our first guest. First guest to be on this podcast. That's right. Later on in the pod, Amy Grindhouse will be joining us. Yes, Vancouver drag performer. Mm-hmm. Local legend, baby. But what do we need to do first? Weird shit of the week. Wow! I'm fucking caffeined up right now. <laughs> That you've ever seen this week. Yeah, welcome to Weird Shit of the Week. The Week. The Week Week Week. I'll go first. Okay. Mine is from the Toronto Sun, but I think it's about a Florida guy. Okay. Oh, love him. Man accused of sex act with Olaf doll at Target oh, to undergo psych evaluation. The doll? <laughs> No, the doll's going through therapy. The man is going through a psych evaluation. He is charged with criminal mischief and exposing his sexual organs. In a target? A 22-year-old Florida man... Oh my god, he's 22. I was picturing an old man. ...is accused of performing a sex act with a stuffed unicorn and an Olaf doll from the Disney blockbuster Frozen. And the unicorn. Wow. They're all partying so, in the target there. So, arrested, but the way they write about this... It's so funny. Okay. His name is Cody. So Cody was busted in a St. Petersburg Target. Cody did not head to the bargain bin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He's paying full price for that lay. Oh, wow. He looks like he would have done what he did. Police said the Disney enthusiast... Jesus. Began rubbing his genitals against the two stuffed animals before, quote, pleasuring oh himself god. to completion with the Olaf character. Oh my god, and no one stopped him? Yeah, he started by dry humping the unicorn before turning his attention to the Olaf. Don't. The way they write about this is so funny, I'm sorry. And then they say at the time of the assault. Yeah. Yeah, all off. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. The stuffed toys were destroyed, Target staff said, citing circumstances. Circumstances. Yeah. Just drop the sir <laughs> and the stances. That was a pretty weird one. Yeah, that's kind fucked of up. fucking gross. Really gross. Can you imagine hate seeing to be someone? The, hate, hate, hate. To be the employee who has to get rid of that cum soaked Olaf. Ew. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, mine is actually kind of similar almost. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Not really, actually. Well, no, oh. pretty similar. Pretty similar. Okay. The headline is for, this is from LAD Bible, LAD Bible. I don't know if that website's from LA or Ireland. Headline is Bodybuilder divorces his sex doll wife and moves on with someone new. That's right. He's married to a sex doll? He was married to a sex doll. He's moving on 
Is he having sex with it? I don't know. It's on Instagram, so I don't think he can be. He's from Kazakhstan. Anyways, I, I haven't... There's, like, literally so much in this article that I can't even go into all of it. Because okay. it is chock full of weird shit. Okay. Um. Anyways, he's talking about how he uh, married his sex doll... Then he um, sent her to the shop, and while she was in the shop, he cheated on her with a different <laughs> sex doll. So this, well, the thing is, the second, oh, I don't even know what the, so Margot is the name of the first sex doll. Lola is the name of the second sex She's doll. She's thick. Yeah. She, I don't, okay, here's the thing. Her name is Lola Queer. She has not yet decided on her sexual and gender identity. What do you mean? She hasn't decided. She hasn't decided. Oh, okay. She hasn't decided. Um, okay. She has a woman's head, a chicken's body. These no. are his words. A chicken's body. And the navel has depth and can be used as a vagina. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll show you this one day. And then he says, I identify her as a massive chicken. <laughs> Pardon me? I don't even know. I literally, I don't know. So what's this guy's sexuality? Chicken? I don't know. Either way, uh, yeah, he broke up with Margot. Margot's honestly prettier than Lola, in my opinion. Yeah, is that Margot? This is Margot. She's way prettier. Way prettier. Uh, Something about struggling with distance. I decided I could have several wives. I don't understand. I literally, I... I don't understand either. There's too much here. There's too much. So, yeah, um, anyways. The real, (laughs) the real victims today are Olaf and Margot. (laughs) That's Honestly, if poor Margot got cheated on, yeah. Lola, weird half chicken, half yeah. sex doll, or I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, good for Lola, but poor Margot. Yeah, uh, pretty and awesome. And poor Olaf. Uh, good news is Yuri here. His name is Yuri. He's a bodybuilder, like a massive bodybuilder. Yeah. So he's a. Good news is he's a LGBTQ plus campaigner, and he was attacked in October when attending a transgender rally in a skirt. So that's sad that he was attacked, but in Kazakhstan, being a proponent of LGBTQ plus rights is uh, really, really good for him to do. He sounds like a nice guy now. Yeah, he does sound like a nice guy, other than he cheated on Margot. With a chicken. And he's married to a sex doll. The real good news is we don't have to talk about this anymore. The great news is he's going to be on next week's pod. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Our next interview. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Oh, I wish. That was some weird shit this week. That was week. some really fucking weird shit, yeah. This week's topic is drag. Um, let's just start off with, Chase, what was your first experience ever coming across drag or just, yeah? I would say my first conscious experience was watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Season four mm-hmm. is when I started, which season four was 2012, mm-hmm. 2012, I think. So I was 14. But, like, looking back, I loved the song Supermodel. And I did not know that the person who sang that was RuPaul, a drag queen. Really? Yeah, no idea. So I guess that was my first subconscious interaction with drag. But my first, like, my first I'm going to watch drag for entertainment was RuPaul's Drag Race. For sure, yeah. I think my first, uh, my first experience, like, I honestly didn't even really know what drag was until I was, like, probably, like, 17, 18. Yeah. Like, I didn't even really, didn't see any drag queens or anything. Actually, that's not true. It must have been, like, 15. Because when I went to Pride for the first time, I did encounter drag queens mm-hmm. and I was like whoa there was one like Mardi Gras like huge 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 feather thing it was yeah. insane I was like whoa that's really cool but like first time like actually 
encountering drag queens in like a way where you, you like hear from them and a prolonged exposure would have been drag race because I watched drag race before I was able to go to clubs and like yeah. actually see drag queens perform live. Yeah, that was a whole other experience. Yeah. Seeing my first drag show. Yeah. I don't even remember what my first one was. I think I just went to the club one night and they were doing one. Yeah, I don't think I went for drag, but it was just happening. And then I was like, oh, happy surprise. I think it was at Junction. It must have been Junction. That's the only place I ever saw drag, pretty much. Well, I saw the XY before they closed. There's a club in Vancouver called Junction. They always did drag shows Friday nights. Mm-hmm. And, and Thursday say. nights. And I think Monday nights. Monday nights they did trivia, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and a drag queen hosted it. Ah! I can't believe we never went to that. I love trivia. Literally. And drag. <laughs> and drag, yeah. <laughs> and they always had such good shows Friday night at Junction. Oh my god, I miss Junction. My, oh, here's a good one. What was the best drag show you ever saw? I went to Lady Gaga night at Junction. <laughs> that was fun. That's a thing. Yeah, well, oh my god, that would have been so week. fun. It was so fun. The best, I know, I the reason I asked this question is because I have one ready to go. Camp Yeah. There was a club opening, basically, and then, like, a couple weeks into it being open, they did this, they did the whole Turn Off the Lights album. Yeah. By Kim Petras, in full, in order, and they had all these queens up, and they had background dancers, like, two background dancers. It was so good! I remember not being able to go to that. Yeah. I was really sad. And it was, like, I wasn't expecting a lot. Like, I was expecting, like, a couple of Kim Petras songs or yeah. something. And the to do the whole that. album? The whole album. Yeah. Start to finish. One break to get a drink. And it was, like, ten bucks. I'm so sad I didn't go to that. It was so, it was so awesome. I loved that. And there were a million bazillion drag queens. Do you have a favorite drag queen? No. No one you like. Here, word association. Drag queen. Name. I guess Trixie Mattel. I like Trixie. She's a very mainstream one, yeah. Yeah, Trixie and Katya is like a good show. My favorite would be Bianca Del Rio or Bob the Drag Queen. Bob's good. I love Bob. Bob's good. Anyways, I think we should talk about where drag came from. Oh, yes. Drag history. Yeah, and Should we just say like all the... I don't even know all like the 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 drag slang. Category is dog. You're just saying <laughs> what RuPaul says at this point. I'm just saying words, yeah. I'm just making mouth noise. So, drag, where do you think it came from? I already know the answer, but pop quiz. Like roots, um, roots, like deep roots. Well, I know that in like England when Shakespeare was around, they used to do like the boys would dress up as the female characters. True. So they'd like pantomime or whatever that is. Yeah, well like women way back when weren't allowed to perform. Mm-hmm. So men would dress as women. That's exactly right. Oh my god. A point for you. Yes! That actually yeah, it is. Ah! So if you want to talk about the term drag, and I got this info from that Trixie Mattel video on them.com. Mm-hmm. And they Sources, used work cited. Yeah. They <laughs> used to wear petticoats, like those big skirts. What is it? Those big skirts. Is that like a metal frame, like an umbrella for your ass? Yeah. Ass umbrella. Okay. Ass umbrella. <laughs> Informal term, ass umbrella. Formal term, petticoat. And they used to drag on the ground. And that's where literally drag the term came from. No way. Yeah. That's so funny. Because didn't women just wear those things on the regular? Yep. Oh, so this is where when men would wear them on stage. So it came from the theater scene. So it was gay from the beginning, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't get used for gay people until around 1920s. And this I found interesting. And I thought you would find interesting. Well, it's like 300 years apart. Like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, call it for the t- time it was first printed as, they don't know, like, when they started saying it for performers, 
originally, originally, like I'm not saying it was Shakespeare time, but mm-hmm. it was in the 1800s for sure because it was printed for the first time in 1870 in oh, a newspaper. Wow. Now, have you heard of Polari? I've heard of um, the North Star Polaris. No. <laughs> so in the 1920s, it began to be used amongst gay people, and they believe as part of the secret language Polari, which was when um, homosexuality was illegal, gay people had a secret language named Polari so they could communicate with each other using, like, code words and not get arrested for planning, like, parties or okay. different things. So the, drag would be used. The name Polari for a language makes me think the language is going to be, like, gibberish, like, Yeah, no. So isn't that kind of cool, though? So so wait, Polari was the term for the language that they used? Yeah, and drag was meant basically like a party. Uh, A party. I love doing this podcast because I always learn things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they believe that drag kings, it wasn't just queens, like drag kings in the uh, 1920s and 1900s, um, that's when that started too, women dressing up as men. Do you know, off, off this article or anything, where the words king and queen were thrown in there? I feel like that, maybe that came out of uh, more of like a, I don't know. I don't know exactly when that started getting used, but it makes me think more about like ball culture. Like you, you get crowned. Like, like I said, drag for a while meant like events rather than specifically the people. And Mm. then ball culture came around and there were like obviously competitions where like drag queens and drag kings would be crowned. Mm -hmm. So maybe that is where those terms come from. Like that's very likely. Who knows? Shot in the dark. <laughs> shot in the dark. Um, I also found it interesting that ball culture came around and it wasn't until in like the 50s where drag started to become more of like a performance for an audience, like at the gay bars, mm-hmm. the little few gay bars that there were. And I found it interesting that there was, there were laws against same sex people dancing together. God, if you what were. What is it with people in the 50s and dancing? It's like so many things that is like dancing. Like, I talked to my grandma one time and she was like, oh yeah, we used to go to dances on the weekend. I'd go to a dance with a new boy People every used weekend. to love dancing. And I'm like, what? What? A dance? Chill out, everyone. It's a dance. <laughs> if you were a masculine gay man, you would dress in, quote, boy clothing. And if you were a feminine gay man, you would come in drag and then they would dance. Half the bar would be dressed as women and half would be dressed as men and they would dance together to like skirt around those laws good for them obviously as gay bars became more prominent Mm -hmm. there were more and more drag performances and then it became a little bit mainstream because do you know who sylvester is like from looney dudes the disco singer okay sylvester (laughs) you know you know the song you make me feel mighty real if you played it maybe not the title no no liam you really need to learn your history Anyways, Sylvester was that was a very mainstream song, and he would dress in drag when he performed. And yeah, Divine was in a movie, so drag slowly started to get more mainstream in like the seventies, eighties. Mm. And that brings us to Paris is Burning. Paris is Burning was a documentary from actually was it from the nineties? Nineteen nineties. It was it from out. the nineties, but they filmed in the eighties. Yeah, about the ball culture scene in New York City, and there's all these like drag houses, and it just kind of follows along these drag queens and um, transgender people in New York City at a time, you know, when the AIDS epidemic is, you know, at its Mm -hmm. peak pretty much. And there's just a big cultural reckoning really with coming to, at least not, not coming to terms, but gayness is now 
considered gayness because it was I feel a shift, like for sure yeah prior to the 80s and like in the 70s 60s 50s even like there wasn't necessarily these like words and like identities associated with being gay because this was all like pre-stonewall or around stonewall it was just a big cultural shift but yeah paris is burning just covers ball culture at the time it's a great movie that reminds me Stonewall itself like drag queens were super important and a lot of drag queens back then are what we would define as transgender now but back then it was sort of used interchangeably so a lot of drag queens were super important in Stonewall and the gay liberation movement Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff so like drag has always been a political thing oh yeah for sure even today deeply political and sort of a form of protest just in what it is i would say so yeah. and even more so now also just a celebration literally just good old fucking time yeah for sure which is uh honestly for the better i think it's it's nice to just be able to celebrate a little more openly yeah, nowadays for sure so obviously in the 2000s i mean 1993 is when rupaul did a very famous performance on the March on Washington. So the first March on Washington was obviously for Black workers' rights and the Black civil rights movement. The Mm -hmm. second March on Washington was 1993, and it was for gay, lesbian, and bi rights. And RuPaul performed. At the March, wow. Yeah, and he said, I see myself in 10 years in the White House, which didn't happen. (laughs) But he got a TV show. Close enough. (laughs) Which, yeah, then in the, I think, when did he get his show, his talk show? His talk show was in the 90s, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, 1996. Yeah. Um, it only had two seasons. Mm. But RuPaul came back, obviously, in 2009 with RuPaul's Drag Race, which was just, like, a huge... Started in 2009? Yeah. Wow. A huge shift for uh, mainstream drag. See, I actually... one of the, I was thinking when we were talking about what would be your first interaction with drag is I used to watch on MTV Canada, they used to have the show that played after The Hills called The Hills After Show, and it was live. Dan Levy was on it. This was my I first... I love Dan Levy. Yeah, this was before Dan Levy was famous. <laughs> and um, they would also talk about Drag Race. And I was like, what oh, the really? hell are they talking about? Yeah, and it was like, kind of like, oh, like, there's this new show. It's on... It used to be on VH1, I think. They would talk about Drag Race on that sometimes. Like, they wouldn't cover it too deeply. Which is also funny because this was also MTV Canada at the time when they had One Girl, Five Gays. And I never heard about Drag Race on One Girl, Five Gays. Yeah, Or drag in general. Kind of weird. I know. So it does make me think it's probably become even more... Like, drag is definitely much more mainstream now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even from... Even when Drag Race started, although that was a huge shift for drag to the mainstream, I feel like... It wasn't until literally, like, a few years ago. I remember the day Drag Race was put on Netflix. Yeah. And that was, like, suddenly it was in everybody's homes, like, so accessible. And, like, since then even, which I think it was season... Eight. Eight, yeah. Because that's the first one I watched. Yeah, like, shot up in popularity because it was so much more accessible. And now it's just kind of insane. So many people know what drag is now. Like, it's so accessible. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about Drag Race and it's negative effects. <laughs> okay. Because I think there are some. Yeah. And I think what Drag Race presents until maybe this last season, but even still, is a very um, small box that drag fits within, like, of what drag is. Mm-hmm. And it's a man 
looking like a woman, Mm -hmm. which we know drag is so much more than that. And there's so many different facets of drag. And obviously, you know, RuPaul's comments from a few years ago, right? He said in an interview, he wouldn't have a trans woman on the show if they're post transition, because he feels like it's an unfair competitive advantage. And Peppermint is a trans woman. She came out during the filming of the show. And Uh he said if she had transitioned already, he probably wouldn't have cast her. Bad comments, huge backlash. But Gia Gunn was on the next season, right? And she's a trans woman. She was on All Stars as... She was on season six, not out as trans. And then she was on All Stars as trans. Lots of people saw that as just trying to... Make up for it, yeah. Yeah, and now there's Gottmik, who's a trans man, which is great that even if it is an attempt to make up for it, it's great that they're having these trans people on the show. Like, it's still good. Mm -hmm. But... Drag race can kind of, I think, be a little toxic in if that's people's first exposure to drag and only exposure to drag, then they see it as this very minimal thing. You know what I mean? Like mm. a like a very niche category. It's a man dressing up as a woman trying to look like a woman. It's just female impersonation. Mm-hmm. When we know that cis women can do drag, uh, trans women can do drag, trans men, cis men, like, like there are drag kings, there are drag queens, there are non-binary drag performers. Like it's such a big thing. And I don't think Drag Race has yet expanded to include all of that. And no. I think they could. A lot of people argue that they couldn't and still keep it as a competition but i genuinely think that they could they have competitors on there sometimes that dress like giant fucking mice or seagulls Mm -hmm. and you're telling me you can't have a drag king on the show like (laughs) okay i do think drag race definitely when i compare it to other reality shows in particular definitely is more inclusive and of course much more diverse in its opinions and just people's backgrounds in general And, of course, has so much queer representation Mm -hmm. compared to any other TV show out there that it's, like, not even comparable. And they do cover a lot of, like, in the workroom kind of moments of, like, what it is like to be a queer person in today's world. But I do think also, yeah, it kind of produces this, like, idea around drag that is very, very, very specific. And I do think sometimes that kind of boxes out some of the challenging history that comes along with drag which we've kind of went over but very briefly but you know that's a long hard fought fight and only to just now be to be like commercializing it without maybe fully paying respect to all that energy that's been put into getting here yeah is not uh the best course of action in my opinion yeah and i mean the show And I don't know if this speaks to RuPaul or other producers, but the show has started to take out certain terms that are, like, Mm -hmm. offensive. Like, they used to say she-male, right, Mm. for, like, RuPaul's messages, but playing on the words she-male, like, people found that offensive. They're making, like, little changes to be more inclusive, and, like I said, Gottmik, a trans man, is, like, a big step for the show, I think. Mm. So, I don't know. What do you think of the argument that a woman being a drag queen, not a drag king, so I think the term is hyper queen, what do you think about the argument that that is less of a transition, or sorry, less of a transformation and less work for them to be in drag? I don't think on its face I have any issues with that. I do think that there is a part, uh, at least nowadays, of just like gay culture in particular kind of gets picked up by cis women and kind of like commodified into like this fun, silly thing 
that isn't really, again, like kind of recognizing the, the history that goes along with it. Yeah, I think anyone can do drag for sure. Yeah. But I think you should absolutely know the history of it and acknowledge the history of it and like be aware of where it came from because it's so inherently queer Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's drag is queer there's no getting around that and that's not saying that cis people or straight people can't do it Mm -hmm. but i think you just if you're a cis or straight person doing it you need to know where it came from yeah and how it started yeah because it started through oppression of gay people so yeah Definitely just got to be recognizing the space that drag operates within. But yeah, that's a brief history of drag. Have you ever been in drag? Yes, but not like full drag. I mean, I've worn women's clothing just in general yeah, in I daily life. Um, never like like a look or anything. I've been put in drag makeup and a wig for my friends. She was in makeup school and she put me in drag. Yeah, I had that same project done to me. Yeah, literally. Same makeup school, I think. Yeah. Um, I actually was going to say when you were talking about putting on women's clothes, I remember being like five and I would go to daycare and they would have all these like dress up clothes and I would wear a dress sometimes. I would wear dresses all the time when I was a kid. I know. And I got in shit for it. Not from the daycare, but my parents picked me up one time and they're like people are gonna make fun of you and i was like yeah i used to wear dresses all the time when i was a kid i was like yeah did you have, you didn't have a drag name no think of one do you know mine what would yours be chag please welcome to the stage chag chag it's kind of nice it's kind of simple i don't know what mine, mine was chastity moonshine oh jesus christ chag. chastity moonshine was the name i was given when i was put in drag that's horrible i like it i hate it i'm sorry and i think <laughs> i used a drag name generator online I don't know what mine would be. I'd have to think about it. Is I it like your is it like your stripper name, like the name of your first pet and the street you live on? Nala one sixty four B. Please welcome to the stage, Nala one sixty four B. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe my name would be Mary Magdalene from the Bible. Okay. Cool. Anyways, yeah, uh, next up we've got Amy Grindhouse. Stick with us. This yeah. is normally where there'd be a commercial, but we don't have sponsors. Our very first guest on Two Servings of Fruit is an iconic drag performer in the Vancouver area, but she's also a dear friend of mine, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. In January of 2020, she joined the Vancouver drag supergroup Brat Pack, and even through this pandemic, has served sickening looks on her Instagram, YouTube, and Patreon. She's here to talk about what drag means to her and her own personal drag journey. Please welcome Amy Grindhouse. It's nice to actually like meet you, meet you. I'm Liam. Hi, Liam. So nice to meet you. And <laughs> thanks for having me on today. This is so fun. You're yes. our first guest. Yeah. Now I feel so special. I mean, my the way this podcast works is my questions are usually more formal, and Liam's questions <laughs> are usually a bit of a mess. So yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah, we have to have some mess. Well, I just wanted to start because I've known you for a while, and I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Grindhouse started and so it's been a really crazy journey to watch for me you becoming this queen so I just wanted to hear from you um, about your journey with drag yeah I was just thinking about this actually you've kind of been one of those people that has seen like the full journey play out online which is kind of insane to me so this is i was yeah this was kind of exciting that we actually i was like of all people this makes total sense to kind of go through all this with because you're the only one with context (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like when i started because i was you know growing up in squamish right like it wasn't like there was a drag scene so i think finding drag um it really for me was uh, through facebook i would stock all the local like Vancouver girls 
And I would just always ask to do shows and if I could be a part of it. And they're like, you're 17. Like, who <laughs> are you? Go away. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's been interesting uh, to just sort of finding my voice with comedy too and, and having a drag be more of an outlet for kind of more things than, than just what I thought it could be. Like it's, you know, allowed me to enter the stand-up realm to do like uh, some podcasting stuff as well. And also like a lot more video projects than I would have expected. So um, it's been great because it's uh, it hasn't just been one thing. Yeah. Um, Cause with my ADD, I'm <laughs> all over the map. Yeah. Did mm-hmm. you actually have someone kind of, teach you the ropes or like kind of give you any pointers or like was a lot of this just like from your own research a lot of both I never really had like a formal drag parent or drag family um so I didn't come up that way um I've had but I've had so many people that ended up helping me so I was always sort of the like wayward lonely drag person in the city (laughs) that everyone just like helped out and kind of helped direct me but I'd say like for the first uh experience that really what what set me off to do drag in Vancouver was actually uh the first time that I basically was 19 and was able to perform in any kind of space um I was at Capilano University and I was uh, in charge of organizing their pride. And wow. so I sent out a group message on Facebook to, I believe, 30 different drag performers in the city offering, I think it was like $100 for two numbers, which is pretty lowballing. And everybody was like laughing at me and like in the whole message, like it was just blowing up of everyone roasting the shit out of me. Like, who the fuck are you? Like, no, we're not doing this. Oh, wow. <laughs> and no, it was, I mean, looking back, it's, amazing but at the time i was like oh my god i didn't know um but one person who did respond actually was alma bitches and she ended up doing the show with me and was amazing and did a great job and really saw something in what i was doing and suggested i perform uh in this competition called uh uh, mr miss cobalt uh which i believe at the end was uh yeah because it's been closed now for a few years the bar but Mm -hmm. that was a big drag competition at the time yeah. And um, yeah, that sent me off. So Alma Bitches really gets the the credit. I love that. How'd you come up with your name? Oh, God. Amy Grindhouse. I wish they had like a really like exciting, like soul searching moment. I, it was just me like kind of tipsy in my bathroom. And I was laughing with my brother about different drag names. My original one was Honey Cocaine. Uh, <laughs> that got cut pretty quick. <laughs> the girls were not vibing with Honey Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> she had to change. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love, I really like at the time too, like Amy Winehouse was like all I listened to. And um, I watched a lot of Grindhouse movies growing up. I really, really loved like cheap, you know, horror. And so I, I, at the very beginning, I always thought I'd do more horror stuff. And I haven't really touched horror in my drag. So it's always been funny. I'm like, I have this really hard core name. And then I like show up and I'm like, mm, like yeah. fart. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love your name. I've always loved your name. I also oh, love you. art. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, might not know who you are. Like, what? How would you describe your drag now? Say if you've never seen an Amy Grindhouse performance, it's like um, sort of a uh, way too personal look inside of a deteriorating mind. It's it's really funny and really off the wall and I would say that if there's 
one word to describe it, it would be unpredictable. Like it's always going to be different. I've always done improv. You're going to hear animal noises. You're going to hear me scream. You're going to see my pubes. It's going to be a mess, but a good time. Definitely a fun, unpredictable time. (laughs) One thing thing that I've always found unique and I always have loved about your performances is you sing live a lot and it's so much Mm -hmm. So when did you decide that that was a direction you wanted to go in your performances? Well, it also kind of comes from those younger days too, where I really thought that my whole trajectory in life was going to be as a musician. I was writing music every day. I still do write lots of music and stuff, but I don't really like share that with everybody. There's but the Amy Grindhouse album. I know it's coming. Oh, it okay. is coming. I say every year for the past five years, <laughs> oh, it's coming. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, like I, I just was always so in my head about sharing that it felt too personal. I never felt like I could get, like, get it right. And I don't know. I just, one day I was in a music competition and I just fucked up really bad and started laughing. And ever since then, I just, and it, it, I just felt great after it. Cause I was like, well, this doesn't actually matter anymore. I can just relax. And then as I started doing drag more, I realized that like I could really just like bring all of the things that I've done in, in the past into the present with it and then put a twist on it. So I was able to do like comedy and singing at the same time. I didn't have to rely on just doing like lip syncs. Um, And I was kind of the, you know, only person doing that for a long time in Vancouver. Um, Any kind of live stuff that wasn't really as big here as it is in other places. So that was also something that helped me. It was just having something a little different um, when I got here. (laughs) Do you feel like drag has kind of given you that opportunity to be more like maybe authentic or, or even just like less uncomfortable with like those those moments when you're performing? Absolutely. Someone's just hammering the shit out of something. <laughs> <laughs> My neighbors are having a really, really nice time tonight. They got a new sex book or something. Um, okay, so for, what was the question? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you're talking about um, when you're performing and like something goes wrong and you're oh, in yeah. that like, you're not in that Amy Grindhouse state of mind and it's a little oh, yeah. nerve wracking. Do you feel like when you are on stage as Amy Grindhouse and you're doing drag, that opens up the space a bit more for you to be more creative and silly and whatnot? Absolutely. It give, it just gave me permission to fail and it gave me permission to try things in a way that didn't feel so serious, you know? I, it, and that was what was so fun. Like I, I was able to, again, as you say, like not freeze up like I would if it was me out of drag just doing like a serious performance where it would be this humiliating difficult process I kind of turned all of those fear yeah I used that fear and just channeled it into something productive and fun and I'm so glad I did because it's been it's been fun I've really I've really enjoyed it so far (laughs) Um, before the world went to shit um you joined Brat Pack I did. Can you tell us how that came about? Yeah. Well, I failed before joining Brat Pack, um, (laughs) which was pretty iconic. They had a competition once uh, called The Recruit. And basically it was uh, nine of us locals and then one out of town girl who came from, who just moved from Toronto. And we were all competing to get into this. And this is like, you know, for, for people like, you know, me, especially growing up looking into Vancouver, this was like the show. So I was really, really nervous about it. And 
basically what happened was I just didn't, I didn't do anything that I usually do. I tried to like fit in for them and failed miserably. Like ate shit. No one laughed. It was not funny. No one had a good time and was like cut in like, they basically, they stopped the lip sync I was doing that I was going home on to say like, this is awful. Like we don't want to see the rest, like go home. And I was so hurt, but that ended up leading me to start my own show. And uh, through Sleepy Girls that I started at that time, that then launched into the rest of my career where I've only basically done shows that I've produced. And so that was a great gift. So years later, um, when uh, one of the members left, um, I got called into this like secret meeting. I was losing my mind. I was so scared. I was so nervous. And it ended up being this like initiation meeting. And I had to sign an NDA. It was like a whole big deal. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I immediately told some people and they got very mad at me. So I'm not very good with NDAs, but it was so exciting. Like it was a, that was a total dream come true. You in Brat Pack is, I think so amazing because I think you as a drag artist represent so much more than just female impersonation. Like you blend like your facial hair and like more masculine elements with Mm -hmm. feminine elements. And I think for Brat Pack before, I think it was very much so like kind of like the box of drag that we, that mainstream audiences have come to expect. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you kind of coming in there was very refreshing. Why or how did you come about including those masculine elements into your drag? That's a great question. I think it came to, uh, came to me when I first started and I shaved everything off and was trying to do the paint, like, I remember <laughs> by the book as you do. I really like, I liked it. It was something I didn't have a good time with it, but I didn't feel like myself at all. And I felt like I didn't know who this character was other than just like, I just, I, it didn't connect with me. And when I kept my facial hair for one of my performances, I ended up feeling more feminine mm. and more beautiful, which was kind of a confusing thing at first. But I think what it, um, what it did was it just sort of, made me in and out of drag be way more comfortable with my feminine side. And so I just didn't feel like I had to choose anymore with, with that, like with presenting, it doesn't have to be too masculine or too feminine. I can always exist in that middle space. And it just, it gave me so much more confidence and it made me feel more, more beautiful and sexy and and awesome. And so I, I kept it and that's, yeah, I'm I'm really glad that um, people like responded to that too. Um, people seem to like the the facial hair when you're talking about existing in that that space that includes masculine and feminine energy when you um go out as amy grindhouse do you feel do you still feel like you are yourself or do you feel like you are a character amy grindhouse like how what is the the line for you i think the line for me is like when i'm performing i'm like out of body like I, like David doesn't exist anymore. But like when I'm walking around, it's like a bit more of like a height, like way more confident. Like I feel like the most confident possible version of myself, but I don't like go into a full like improv monologue character. Moment. Like I know some of the girls, like they need to have that to feel the fantasy, which is amazing. And like some people want to like live that full different life. They want to be a fully different person for a while. And I think that's dope. I think, yeah, I mean, it's still different. Like you don't feel like yourself, but it's, for me, it's more like a, just like a way more confident version of myself. But when I perform, yeah, like I usually don't remember my performances. Yeah. On your YouTube channel, 
you mm-hmm. review drag race episodes or you talk about drag race mm-hmm. episodes, right? Mm-hmm. So we were kind of talking about earlier about how drag race presents this kind of um, bubble, like this sort of palatable version of drag for the mainstream audiences. And mm-hmm. I want to know if you had any thoughts on that as someone who does embrace masculine and feminine. Yeah. Well, and I'm very lucky to do that review show with PM, you know, one of my fantastic, you know, uh, best friends who's an amazing non-binary drag artist, super, super talented also in the Darlings, another amazing, like top, top tier drag group. I mean, they were doing a show recently, like a sold out show at the art gallery last year. Like they're like top, top, top tier. Um, Shout out to the Darlings. Love the Darlings. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's sort of, uh, for me, like I've always been surrounded by alternative drag. Like Vancouver is just full of it. I came up in it, especially going through the Cobalt too. It was really punk. Like drag never to me um, had to, it's it's always felt really punk to me. So I think we're on the right path with drag. Like I'm seeing a lot more Drag Race fans question, for instance, the policing of what bodies are allowed on the show. Mm -hmm. It's great that we finally have, you know, an openly trans testing cast on you know american drag race or in canadian drag race we had you know alona verley open yeah. two-spirited uh, contestant and you know so, so there is definitely some more representation than there used to be but yeah i don't know it's it's difficult because i think with that is great but there's still so much that the general public doesn't quite get yet about drag yeah. and yeah. that i think a lot of people are stuck in the the concept of drag being cis male turns into like cis you know woman like that's sort of like the whole structure of it yeah um, that's what people think it is and it's just so much more complicated than that and i i think it's so much more beautiful drag drag works best when it's um everybody playing with every color in the crayon box you know like i don't i don't think that it's ever going to be as good if it's just one type of voice being showcased or one type of look being showcased. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Drag Race take some notes from something like, uh, I don't know, like Dragula or anything like that and just have anybody who wants to be a part of the show be able to be on the show. Because um, it just makes for better TV. I, I, it gets pretty boring, yeah, to be honest. I agree. Yeah. There definitely is a lot of repetition in Drag Race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, I want to see some new fights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on! Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, any any fights or any tea with the other drag queens in Vancouver? Oh my god! Any <laughs> any hot Vancouver tea? Yeah. Not for like a year. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, all that cooled off, man. Like it. That's been so funny too. All of us just kind of like. Anytime there's a fight now too, it's all of us just having like cabin fever, just like like fighting through the phone. Like, what are we doing? What's no. happening? Um. So nothing's, no, it, it's been interesting too. Like for me, I've been, um, I've definitely had my fair of local squabbles over the years. Like it just, it just happens. It comes with the territory, but I think it also teaches you how to handle that in any avenue of life. Cause conflict's inevitable. And if you're in drag, conflict's expected. <laughs> <laughs> it's encouraged. Yeah. Speaking of COVID, how have you been adjusting? I would say overall, like moving a hundred percent online, I've only just gotten comfortable. Like it's taken a long time to get into the routine and to get like any kind of like payment system going to really like figure that out. Um, like Patreon has really helped my ass and um, finding like what kind of YouTube content people are wanting to see and 
making it work, but it's been really hard. You know, I lost like a hundred percent of my income in, you know, a couple weeks that lasted, you know, that turned into a year. So it was a really scary, scary time, you know, for a lot of us artists who, you know, basically had everything taken like that. So it's been hard, but I also think that that's uh, pushed me to do things I wouldn't normally do and has led me to, I don't know if I can talk about this yet. Should I spill some hot tea? Oh, yes. Okay. This is like exclusive, exclusive tease, tease, tease. Oh. I, I can't, oh man, I don't know. Anyways, so I got, I got a, a web series picked up with, with the PM and it's the first time well, there might be another project on top of that too. And it's with one of Canada's biggest comedy organizations. And I'm super excited. I've got a team for the first time. I'm throwing in a studio. It's just, it feels great. It's like, um, yeah, it was kind of like my, my drag race ticket was getting to start creating something I've wanted to do since I was 17. So yeah, we very have, excited. We have to re-release this episode when this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will. That's amazing. That's yeah. I know everyone's definitely, I mean, I am itching to get back in the club and just back seeing live shows. Do you have anything in particular plan for your first time back? Any song that you're really oh. dying to do or? I actually really don't know. I've, I've kind of lost uh, the ability to know what works anymore. I used to have a pretty good litmus test of what people wanted. And now I'm, I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think I might do some, again, as I was talking about like, bringing more original stuff into it. Like I wrote a song, which I recorded, um, which I performed once and it went okay. Um, and it's a really emotional song that's called Come In My Eye. And <laughs> yeah, it, so I think I'll probably return with that. You know, it's just the heart-wrenching story of, you know, are these tears from, you know, you breaking my heart or just because I, you know, you got your come in my eye. You know, it's a really important question. So yeah. <laughs> what kind of, Planning and um, practice and just like coordination goes into actually getting ready for a show. Like, do you do you work on like routines or do you just kind of go in there with like an outline of what you're looking to do when you're on stage? I, I for, no no planning no <laughs> in blind, um, and it's it, it's gone well and it's gone bad. Also, oh hello garbage. Got a busy it's a busy day at my house. <laughs> everyone's getting excited they heard oh she's filming saying everything okay but yeah for me um yeah like i i don't ever have a plan and sometimes that's great because it's a lot of great you know improv moments that can come from that and then other times it's a complete disaster because i have no idea what i'm doing so i think going forward i'd like to have a bit more i'm going to try and incorporate structure when i come back Yeah, maybe like plan a number. I don't know, something crazy. Like put like 10 minutes of thought in. Whoa. <laughs> too psychotic, I know. It's crazy. Well, I'm curious, like what is the actual, like how long is the process for you getting into drag? And like, what does that actually entail for people who just mm. kind of does like putting on makeup? Right. Well, I, I think for me, it changes. But mm-hmm. uh, right now I'm trying to really get my makeup on. Working with PMs really made me want to get better because makeup was never my thing. I always said I am a, I picked the wrong profession. I, I really don't know why. I really hated makeup. But... Your, makeup's, your makeup's been looking on point. <laughs> Thank you. I think I finally found 
a nice kind of basic face now. It's taken me five years. <laughs> it's okay. It takes, sometimes it takes people two days. It, it took me longer, yeah. but um, yeah, for me, I like to, I don't like to take too long either. I get grumpy. I'm a grumpy person. So <laughs> I, I tend to like, if I'm doing my makeup, I like to like make sure I've got good chill tunes going, usually some sort of beverage of the alcoholic variety. Yeah. And just having fun with it and not, uh, not getting too caught up in the details until the end. Cause that's a big problem. I think when you first start doing drag is you want to just fine tune everything as you go. And then like three hours or four hours pass. Yeah. You know? And so for me, I'm like, I always think of drag with an expiration date. So I'm like, if I'm going to be out till four, I'm going to have to have this on. Like, let me just, how, how do I time this right? Right. So yeah. yeah. Well, COVID, well, COVID also helped with that too, because like, I mean, it's, it's a little bit weird. I mean, look, I'll put a face on to wear for 10 minutes to film a video and then be like, Oh, okay. Time to shower this off. Like, <laughs> but yeah, just finding the routine that works for you. And, and um, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a details last kind of person, but yeah, just make it. Yeah. Try, I've tried to make it more fun for me. Um, and just more taking more risks and, and having fun with it, not being as scared of, of makeup. And that's helped. It also helps having people that know how to do makeup yes. around you. My roommate's also an amazing uh, drag artist, Kebby, and uh, I've always loved her makeup. She used to paint me sometimes before Brat Pack. Most of the first shows that I did, I actually didn't paint myself. I just got her to paint me because <laughs> it looks so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Thankful for her, for sure. You getting Brat Pack was such an amazing moment and you going full-time drag was such an amazing moment. And then a few months later, it was literally... So. I know. It was so frustrating. It sucked because it was the time, you know, we lost so much time where we could have... There was so much we wanted to do, I guess, that we didn't get a chance to. So, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, a lot can happen in another year. Like, we, I, I have no uh, expectations anymore. COVID has made me let go and that's okay. Like anything that happens happens, but I would love to do more with them. I mean, if anything, it was just like cool to, you know, put a check mark on that bucket list item. I, and I also quit kind of drag right before I got Brat Pack. Really? I wasn't really working anymore. I, I had um, transitioned to just DJing um, at that point. And that was when I got the call was basically when I was just like packing up everything and throwing out all my drag. What, um, what led you to that decision to quit? Well, funny enough that we talk about dramas and teas. I am not someone who handles it well. I do not. And you wouldn't know this about me because us, us, us Aquarians can come off quite confident, but we are <laughs> sensitive, sensitive beings. And um, it just wasn't, it's honestly like, because I was so used to, making shows and kind of being in, in the, also in the creative role of them, just sort of doing the regular circuit. Like I just found it really tiring and I felt like I wasn't doing anything new. I wasn't really pushing myself. And I just got into this routine of the same kind of performance with the same kind of outfit with the same kind of audience. And that went on for like a year and it just stopped being fun. I, I lost the joy. Like I lost the joy. I lost the spark. You know, and now I know too, a lot of that was also tied to some mental health things I was going through that I, you know, have been very lucky to be able to um, have so much time to address during COVID. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, we had some time for that. But yeah, uh, Brat Pack was such a like kick in the ass to, I mean, I, I went from basically I'm quitting to I'm performing at the Commodore Ballroom. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was like, what, <laughs> what just happened? 
Yeah. I'm very curious to know what was your weirdest place you've ever performed or like what was just the most mind-boggling kind of show you ever did? Oh my gosh, there's been so many weird shows. Oh God, I'd say one of my favorite stories to tell was when I lived in Squamish, I lied and said I was of age and performed at a bar called The Chieftain and they gave me four hours to fill. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind, I four hours. It was like my third time performing as Amy and four hours to fill. And by out, like by 20 minutes in, nothing. I had nothing. And it was insane. I, I ended up, but the favorite part about that night uh, to, to tell is a good lesson in learning to, to read an audience and, and uh, was one of the performances I did was uh, I wanted to have a tip number where I would walk around with a bucket and get people to pay me and really force it on people. And I did the song Bitch Better Have My Money by Rihanna with a big fake gun and started pointing it at people being like, bitch better have my money. And there was a war vet there at the oh bar God. who I triggered by pointing a gun in his face. And when I tell you oh that was the worst <laughs> moment of my life, I felt so bad. So I stopped the music, went right back up to him. I was like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, I totally was not thinking. I'm so sorry. And then he gave me a $50 bill and invited me to his hotel room. So, I mean, it all worked out. I did not go. Okay. But um, <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> but um, it, that's one of the, the weird things too. Like you learn about like, that was a great lesson. And well, maybe don't point guns in people's faces. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that was by far the most bizarre, bizarre, bizarre time. It's been great just going through this with you, but just to round it out, the whole talk, I'd love to know who is your pick for this season of Drag Race? Oh my gosh, for this season? Oh, there's so many. Um, For Drag Race UK, we're just going to say, I, I think I'm now Team Bimini. Me too. For the win, I'm all of Bimini Bamboo Lash. Taste is my favorite of anybody, just like in general. I think she's so funny. I think she's so pretty, but I don't think she's going to win. So I'm going to give it to Bimini. You know, when the Florence wins too, I'll, I'll be fine. I like Florence. But in the American one, um, I think Simone or Gottmik is where I'm at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have a weird thing about Utica. Don't like her. Me too. And when Utica, when she came on, I was like, okay, I usually like the weird one. Like I usually vibe with them, but something about her has been like a block. I know. She's, I don't know. I, but you know what? Maybe I think Utica's gonna gonna wow me later. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that I'm gonna change my mind about Miss Utica. She's gonna come out and I'm gonna I'm gonna eat my words. Yeah, the season's not the American one is just not as entertaining as the UK one for me because it's been so long. So long. I'm just ready to like I need a nap. Yeah. Girl. Like I need a nap. Oh yeah. Should we do song of the week? Liam, you start. Okay, You're I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, my song of the week is. I actually don't know how we, I would. I don't know how to say this song. I guess just I feel alive. Question mark. There's a question mark in it, but anyways, I feel alive by Coin. Just like a nice. I've been seeing the sun recently, and I'm ready to go for summertime. And it's just like a nice summery bop. We love it. Okay, I will look that up. I think um, my song of the week is uh, also an apology for being so late to the fucking party. Um, I really hadn't listened to a lot of Arca, and I felt like such Arca. You would (gasps) like Arca. You would love Arca. Yeah, I finally listened to Arca, and 
there's a track on uh, the 2020 album. I can't remember the name of it, but the song is called Time. And it's really, really good. And the production is stunning. And that album has like so many good features. I mean, I think Sophie's on it. Rosalie is on it. Um, no, it's a super stellar album. But that song, Time, has been my bot. can't believe I've never heard of this one. You would yeah. like her. I just your, like the name. Your Arca. vibe, your vibe is very her. <laughs> I think what I've been listening to the most in the past couple of days is Doja Cat Streets, but the Disclosure remix. Oh, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Just oh, there's a Disclosure remix. Ooh, that's yeah, sexy. It came out recently. I don't even love Streets. I don't like like streets. the original. Yeah. But this remix makes it so much more fun. So yeah. I wonder that's controversial. What's your favorite Doja Cat hit then off of Hot Pink? What's the Doja Cat track? My top song of 2020 was um, Like That. I love Like That. Yeah. That was I, that's a one. I think Hot Pink is like 99% no skips. Oh, 100%. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, well, thank you for chatting. It was so much fun. I know. And you christened thank our you. slot. Literally our first guest ever. Yes. I sprinkle holy water upon now. There you go. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your podcast. Uh, you so this was super fun. I will put all of your links in the description. And awesome. Everywhere I can possibly put them. Yes. Amazing. Give Amy money challenge. Love it. Ah! <laughs> It's been so good seeing you grow just from the whole journey. I'm like so proud. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a interesting road. I just saw, I read something recently that was so dumb, but I loved it, which was, it doesn't matter what road you take, it'll lead you there. And I think that's a great way of describing how it's been. It's like, there's so many different paths to get to where you need to go, but you just got to keep going. So yeah. I'm loving it. Bye. Thanks, loves. Bye-bye. Once again, thank you, Amy, for being our very first guest. It was so wonderful to talk to you. Amy is creating incredible content on her Patreon account. Go subscribe, help support local performers, local artists at patreon.com slash amygrindhouse. We will have that link as well as all of her other socials in the description of this episode. You can find us on Instagram at two servings pod. Email us suggestions, questions, comments, concerns at twoservingspod at gmail.com. If you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It seriously helps us reach more people and widen our audience, and we so appreciate it. Other than that, we will see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.